To give you some background on who we're interviewing today, Willie Baker and I go back probably farther than my hairline. And if you guys have ever seen me, my hairline's fading pretty fast. Willie and I first met way back in high school when I was actually one of the lifeguards that he got his first job working for, working with. And he is an extremely creative person, somebody that I admire as a kid who really took something that he was really passionate about, like film and media, and just said, I'm going to make as many mistakes as possible as fast as I can to try to improve my craft to get to where I want to be. And it's taken him far. He start, he has started his own business. He's worked for major film corporations, sports corporations like the Knicks, the Rangers, Netflix, MSG, YouTube. He's done international film festivals, you name it. And what really intrigued me about Willie and why I wanted to bring him on today was that he's an excellent storyteller. And I think regardless of if you are an athlete, a professional, a mom, a parent, a teacher, an athlete at any level, we can all learn how to tell better stories. And what's really cool about this interview is the line that Willie said, which was, it's not always about how expensive the camera is that you use, but the skill of the cameraman holding it that makes all the difference. Enjoy, guys. What's up, everybody? Thanks for following us as we start to grow our podcast every week and every day with more interesting guests. It's been really cool to see uh, kind of the, the support growing and especially some of the reviews and ratings we've been getting on iTunes. So one of the one reviews I wanted to share with you guys today was from Kenneth Lockhart. Here's Kenneth. Really enjoy all the podcasts as they give a great insight on the world of kicking. Not just a great not just great tips on kicking, but also great tips on becoming a better person through positive thinking. Great stuff and look forward to hearing more from you soon. Thank you very much, Kenneth. We really appreciate you listening. And guys, be sure to keep leaving reviews. It really helps boost the podcast. Thanks. What is your super secret background story? How did you be, how did you get into film and photography? Um, well, you know, it's funny. I, I, um, I was a hockey player my whole life and I, like, you know, cause you knew me while I was going through this process, but playing college hockey isn't as simple as just, you know, like reaching out to coaches and, and getting recruited. Most of the time you have to spend one to three years out of high school um, going to boarding school or playing juniors. And, um, I ended up going to boarding school in Pennsylvania, the Hill school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was a postgraduate meaning I, I repeated my senior year. And, uh, you know, I went to this school just thinking, I'm just gonna, you know, focus on hockey, get as big and as strong as I can and, and hopefully get, uh, recruited. And that was, that was sort of happening. Not exactly how I, how I was planning it to, but, this is kind of where I was first introduced to, to filmmaking. And um, pretty much I, I had to make a, I had to make a project for a kinesiology class about different bones in the body. I can't remember the project specifically, but I pretty much like that, that first time picking up a camera and just like strictly using it as a tool, like a communicative tool. Um, it just, 
I never stopped from there. And I was, I was 18 at the time. So from there on, I just started, you know, I, I, I ended up playing college hockey, but I was the guy like in the locker room, like while we were getting ready, I was also like filming the other players, like taping their sticks and like getting pumped up. And like, I would make promos for the athletic department for the team that I was playing on. And uh, it just became something that was, you know, uh, something I couldn't let go. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. And so how did you get started into filmmaking from a hobby into something that was more full-time or paying the bills? Cause there's a lot of people that love that like have a hobby and they've always kind of thought like, Hey, cool. I could, there might be something to this. I could do more than just pay my gas bill or my grocery bills for this. How did you transition from being like a hobbyist to being a professional filmmaker? Did you ever feel like you had like arrived at that point? Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, being in college and playing college hockey and like having it be such a big part of your life. And as that, as you start to realize whether that's like early on in your college career or later that like, it's going to end at some point, you kind of, at least for me, like I started just looking for other things and, uh, and, uh, it took me, it took me a few years to realize that like, you know, just because you know, photography and video in my mind was a hobby doesn't mean that it can't be you know, a pretty awesome career. Like just because the main reason that it was like something I absolutely love to do that I would do every day if I could. Um, so I just started reaching out to people. I was looking for any internship I could do. I did like for three years, I did just videos for free for anyone I could just, just to, you know, in my eyes, like just mess up as much as I could. Um, and uh, and just be exposed to everything and anything that was film and photography related. And uh, that kind of, uh, that free work that I did for my athletic department at my college got me an internship at Sports Illustrated. Um, and that and that was kind of the jumping off point because I got to see like every day in real life, like some of the most talented sports filmmakers and storytellers in, in the business. And, uh, you know, that was for sure like, once I experienced that, like there was zero turning back for me. And I just kind of went full head of steam uh, from there. What did you find was most different on the professional side? Like, obviously there's a difference between bumming around with your, your college hockey buddies and making cool promo hype films and stuff like that. Um, but what did you, what were like two or three differences that you noticed between interning at a place like Sports Illustrated or, or now MSG versus just doing it as a hobby what did you have to learn on the fly um i think uh i think the first thing that i learned is um like people know right away if you don't know what you're talking about and um yeah. it's something that i that i i mean it, when you experience that in front of like people that you admire and they're like all right this guy um like we're glad you're here but <laughs> do you know what i mean like you're not if you're not a if, if, if you're not a when you're in the room with people talking about, you know, specific shoots or um, equipment or, uh, or just techniques and it's so far over your head, like people understand. And for me, once I experienced that, all I wanted to do was know everything that I could. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my formal background from an education perspective, I, I, I studied graphic design and photography. So I knew, you know, I knew some stuff, but until you get thrown into that atmosphere, um, like the atmosphere that you want to be in, uh, you really don't know what you need to know. Like, it's just, it's the experience that, um, that ultimately 
it, you, you learn the most. So um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, that, and then just, you know, people, people do say, don't get caught up in the equipment and the technique. Like it is about storytelling and that's a hundred percent true. Um, and it took me a while to understand that. Cause at first I was so infatuated by, you know, the lenses and the cameras and the stuff that I didn't, I couldn't afford to, to get my hands on. Um, but it's, it, it, it took some time for me to realize that like, all right, this stuff's cool and it's awesome. But if I, if I'm not telling something that matters, if it doesn't have substance and, and, uh, and, and, you know, if people can't relate to it, then it doesn't really matter how much your camera costs or how awesome your lenses are or the gimbal you use, you know what I mean? So sure. I think that that was like, that learning experience was huge. And I just, you know, I, I, they sent me out on some assignments. I was able to shoot soccer games and uh, professional skateboarding and some cool stuff where like I would bring that work back to the editors and they would, you know, some would rip it apart. Some would say it's pretty good or, and right. that was, uh, that was like, for me, like that's all I ever wanted was mm -hmm. like people to just even look at my work, let alone like give me constructive uh, feedback was, was awesome. Now you talk about the storytelling, you know, like every, it's funny cause it's like you 10, 20, 30 years ago, you'd go to school for film or cinematography. And that was like the only thing you did. And it was highly specialized. And now everybody walks around with basically a GoPro in their pocket with an iPhone or a Samsung with like six cameras and HD sound and all this fun stuff. But I think people don't always understand the point of a photographer, like in the world where everybody has a, a camera, what's the point of a photographer anymore? And you, you're saying it's storytelling. So can you t talk to me about like, what is your, what are, what makes a great story for you as a filmmaker and how do you build a story as a filmmaker? It's a great question. And I think, I think it's probably different for everybody. Um, for me, I, I, I think uh, I haven't even made anything that I would consider like, like I would, I, every, anything that I've made, I step back now and I'm like, I wish I did it differently. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've, 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 I've done anything that I would consider is, is perfect storytelling or great storytelling at the time. I probably thought it was awesome, but like, mm -hmm. as you grow and you, and you experience new things and then you see new things, like your perspective always changes. So it's a tough question to answer, but um, I think, uh, it all goes back to your life, what you've experienced, what moves you and, um, and kind of channeling that, the stuff you do. Like, I think that a great story is something that people don't want to look away from. Um, you know, like as soon as you, you, you start that intro, it is, uh, it is impossible to look away because what you're showing them is it means something to them and that can make them angry or sad or happy. I mean, I think uh, invoking a people's emotions is, is a huge part of storytelling it's it's why people care um me personally i always get annoyed why everyone just wants to make something that inspires people mm -hmm. like it's just like the movement of social media influencers is like i want to inspire you to do i mean like that's not uh i, I first off i don't think it's genuine 95 percent of the time and right. second off like that, that what was that yeah they want you to click an ad or click this link right yeah yeah you know i, I don't think that most of those people have any any true aspirations to inspire anyone. Um, I think that uh, inspiration is great. I think that that's one of many things that a story can do for people. Um, I think that uh, it's, uh, it's just a really emotional process. And for me, I, I kind of have gravitated to sports documentaries, but a lot of my work has been commercial. 
So I, when people ask me about like my storytelling um, approach, it's more so of a combination of art and communication. Okay. Like, so it's understanding like, yeah, like, like we could do, we could put the camera here. We can use this type of lens and we can light it in this way to make you feel this way. But there's also a project brief with storyboards and like, you have to communicate that, uh, that this sports camp coming up is, is, is $5,000 a month or, you know what I mean? Like there's still things that you have to communicate. So um, I think that I've kind of fallen into this, into this realm of given the project brief, my story, I want my story to look exactly how it's supposed to from an emotional standpoint. Is it, is it dark and moody? Is it bright and happy? Like I always want to get the look right, but I want to communicate the right thing as well. Now, do you like, well, you said it's it's all, it comes down to what moves every individual photographer and filmmaker and storyteller and writer. What moves you? Like, what is the thing that you can't help but look away from? Because oftentimes, if you are a business owner, the business owner is oftentimes 99% exactly like the person they're trying to sell to. So as a filmmaker, like, mm-hmm. your films reflect a lot of what really grabs you and the people that are going to see it. So what moves you? in particular what makes you not be able to look away from something um yeah i think i think that that is a i think that that is um i think there's more than one thing you know but if i had to boil it down like you know if i could if i could tell you like the type of projects that i would love to be working on and why it would be it would definitely be in documentaries Mm -hmm. um because i think it's it's the one time in filmmaking where like nothing is pre-planned for the most part okay um and uh and you're you're cap like the whole reason you're shooting this documentary because there is a story to tell you know like a lot of commercial shoots are like let's go to this event we'll pop around and get some cool shots throw a voiceover on it and hopefully it will sell whatever but a documentary is is that as authentic as it can get and uh the authenticity is uh probably what drives me like uh for example i did a a documentary that's a documentary series that should be coming out fairly soon it was actually on a social media influencer a very a very big social media influencer that most people know and uh um where this person was from was from it, it was a is a country that at the time was was having a lot of political problems a lot of uh refugee um refugees coming into the country and it was just there was a lot of crazy things happening and we were able to go to that country and film you know some of the stuff that was going on and and for me like the experience of of seeing it and understanding it and like getting out of like my little bubble and and seeing like the world was mm-hmm. uh was uh you know for me that's everything i would say that that's probably like the driving factor behind like doing what i do like if i get to like follow an athlete and like understand like you know, how did this, this kid from Detroit become like one of the best running backs in the world? Like uh, it's more so like the journey of, uh, the, the, the process and, and, uh, and just, and learning about it. And then also being like having the, the privilege to shoot it and like piece it together and like pay respect to, to that athlete or that person who like came up from nothing. Like I think that kind of stuff is always, uh, it means something to me. And then I think it means something to people in general what do you think is the number one thing that young younger guys or girls starting out as filmmakers get wrong about transitioning from a hobbyist to a professional um 
I mean, that, that it, it's all relationship. It's all how you conduct yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have an amazing portfolio. You can, you could take the best sports photos in the world, but if you're not a, if you're not a enjoyable person to be around, if you don't treat everybody with respect, then uh, you'll, you'll find yourself plateauing in, in a spot that you don't want to be. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, you know, like, and I think that that's something that you could definitely agree with. Uh, that can, that pretty much is universal in business and sports and in life is, uh, is I think in the entertainment industry gets mixed up, like where it's all who, you know, and that is true. Like if you know people at networks and you know, people at places like Netflix and, and YouTube, and you're able to get in front of those people, like that's obviously an advantage. But if you're, <laughs> if you're, uh, if you're cocky, if you're, if you think that you're, if you can't take, criticism if if you're too good for everyone else in the room then see you later yeah what do you think was like you know obviously there's no substitute for getting thrown in the fire especially for something like cinematography and and filmmaking what was what's your favorite failure that you had which at first really stunk but then later set you up for longer term success oh man i have a ton i pick one well, you could have two failures, I guess, if you want, but. I think, I think my failures are, I mean, they're not as cra- catastrophic as things that I've heard, but mm-hmm. a lot of my failures would be like um, not being prepared um, and, and, ha- and that feeling of showing up on set and like you're supposed to do like a, a 10 minute interview with a CEO and uh, he requested a teleprompter and you didn't bring it. Uh, is is a feeling that I don't want anyone to ever have to feel, um, and and in rest assured, like you will never forget that teleprompter again. Like you will always be on your game with equipment, and and I'm not gonna say that after that moment it didn't happen again because it did, but I'm like I'm that much more prepared. I'm that much right. more focused on bringing the right tools and having my head in the right place before any job. Can you tell us what CEO was? <laughs> I can't even tell you what company it was, oh, but it okay. was a, it was a bank. <laughs> gotcha. All right. <laughs> what I think a and lot I of kids. Re- I'm sorry. What? No, no. Go for it. I, I, I was gonna say we're holding posters above the cameras, cue cards, and and that was the thing that people did in like <laughs> the 80s. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Well, but I think if you and you could kind of agree with this, like, you know, schools are kind of set up while there are really well-intentioned teachers and people in schools who work with kids, they don't necessarily award initiative. They don't, they're not places that award and recognize failure. Um, a lot of times, how did you kind of, I mean, at some point you, there must've been a mindset shift for you that said like, Hey, I have something that I could offer to other people. And I guess like, have you, did you, have you ever had that feeling of like inadequacy when you first started out? And then if so, how did you grapple with it or continue to grapple with it as you like tried new things as a filmmaker? Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, no matter how, like, I mean, I've been, I've been at this for, for like seven years now, uh, like professionally, whether that's like working for a company or for myself. Um, and in the creative industry and I felt the same way when I was playing hockey is that it's, it's having confidence in yourself, no matter what is crucial. Um, you showed me that, that book, um, 
and I read it. It was a golf book. And oh, it was golf. like golf uh, is not a game of perfect. Yeah. And uh like I used to read that on the way to on the way to games and and kind of like and and, and write down, you know, plot out goals for myself and, and try to stick to those goals no matter what was no matter what was going down in my life or in that season. And I right. think the same thing translates to your professional career. Like the context on my situation is that I started a company right after I got out of college and I was working with my friends and uh, collectively we had little to no professional experience. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a ton of passion and, and a willingness to, to do whatever we could to, um, to grow and succeed. And, and that, that pushed us farther than our, than our experience and our skill. Like we were just willing to do whatever it took. And I think that, uh, you know, I don't know if I went off basis on the, on the question itself, but I think that it's having, uh, having enough passion to, uh, to endure all the failures is, is really like, you'll either come out on the other side or you won't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, can you, big in there too, you know? Yeah. Well, in the, in the book, um, you know, the, the whole line is like train your golf swing and then trust it. And I think, do you find that that's true too for filmmaking? Like at when, like, so for example, and I guess this is kind of splices with another question, but like, do you find that there are, that like there has to be a balance between ad-libbing a shoot versus like the principles of what you're trying to accomplish? Like Basically, has there ever been a film shoot that went according to plan for you? I think no matter what, like, like things, things, uh, you have to be able to work with like some like fluidity, like mm-hmm. nothing, like you can't walk into a shoot and be like, no, this is how it's going to happen. No way it's going to change because it, because it, it just does. Right. Um, for me, I, I try to, I think that being prepared is, is huge and having a plan and having a way of executing that is perfect, but it's not without experience that you're not, that you're able to just pivot and still make it happen. I think that early on when I was still learning, I had a plan. And then when things went wrong, I had a really hard time adapting and, and I didn't really, I wasn't really able to get good at working on the fly like going off course to get back on course until i just you know went through those went through those uh challenges like a bunch of times mm-hmm. but it, but it's always gonna it's never i think life in general like never happens the way that you expect it but sure. um you know i think if your heart's in the right place and uh and uh, you're doing everything you can, and you're trying your best, like, it, it'll work out. Now, do you find that there are different rules or, like, styles of filming or ways that you approach projects in different contexts or situations? So, for example, do you approach filming a music festival the same way you would approach filming a music video or like a commercial shoot or a sports shoot? How do you approach those different contexts? Really, really good question. And, I, and, 
and in in my in my industry in the film industry in general like everything is so project by project based so for a festival or for like touring with an artist it's pretty much um you know having the right equipment and then you're you are on the fly nonstop. You know, you might like for, for a major artist, when you go to a festival, you'll get a set list of like when they're going to go on, what songs they're going to play, uh, when, like how the lights and the pyrotechnics are going to be within that set. And that's kind of how you plan out your, your shoot. But you don't know that until like maybe an hour or two before, or if you've really been touring with the artist for years, like you'll kind of just get the hang of it. But for the most part, like it's on the fly, it's reacting to the situation and it's just being comfortable not kind of freaking out when you don't know every detail. Gotcha. But then for a music video, like you're, you're jumping into, uh, you're dealing with a label, um, you know, management of the artist, the artist, him or herself, and like their views on what the music video should be. And that usually involves making like a project brief, building out a budget for that shoot, um, going to the studio the day before and like doing some lighting rehearsals, like going over equipment and camera with your crew. You know, it's a much more planned process. And I think it's just, uh, depending on what you're doing, um, it's all different. But I think that most people will try to get the information they need as soon as possible. It's just some opportunities will come your way. Um, and, and all you could do is just kind of show up and be as calm, cool, as collected as you can and, uh, and, and try your best to give them the best product. But I mean, it's really like, sometimes you just are like, you're put in a really tough situation and, um, I remember I was, I was working for um, this race team and um, we were shooting and the, ra the race was getting delayed because of rain and, and we ended up not shooting the race until like 12 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And, and that same night I got an email, I got a, I got reached out by a friend of mine who uh, at the time worked with Alesso and, and they were like, Hey, he needs someone to help shoot tomorrow at Izu in New York city. And, uh, and they're like, can you go? And, 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 you know, is that the perfect scenario? Like I'm three hours away from my house shooting probably until 2 a.m. And then I got to wake up the next morning at six and be in the city and work with them all day at Good Morning America and then Izu at night. Like, would I have liked to sleep? Yeah. Would I like to like learn more about the, the job? But these people were looking for someone who was available and good and ready to go. And I just wanted to fill, I just wanted to check those boxes. Right. Um, and I think it's, you know, opportunities are not just going to show up at your door when you're ready. They're just going to pop up at any moment. You got to be willing to take them and make the most of them. Yeah, I like that. Opportunity doesn't wait till you're ready. Now, can yeah. you can you talk about um, where do you see the the film industry or photography going in the next ten to fifteen years? Um. You know, I think that there's a, I mean, I, I'm still very much not qualified to answer that question, but I can give you my opinion. Um, I still, I, I think that, uh, you know, filmmaking on your phone and using the tools available and uh, like, I think that that's just as much of an artistry as what I do or what people in Hollywood and television shows in New York City do. I think no matter what, like it's still a artistic medium, but I think that there's still a huge separation between people that can make content on their phone. And I say content cause I don't think it's necessarily like film or television. Yeah. Um, I think there's a huge separation between the millennial 
uh, cell phone digital group and, you know, what, what people that produce like Black Mirror and uh, what, uh, like, like directors that directed La La Land and, and things like that. Like, I think that there's still, the separation is, is enormous and you don't really know unless you've been in the industry long enough to, to see it. So I don't think things are changing a whole lot from from that perspective. I think that things are changing from a VR 360 perspective. I think you're going to see more immersive, mm-hmm. uh, more immersive technology be involved in just regular everyday cinema. And uh, I mean, if you if you read anything about the Irishman, like they shot like every shot with three cameras, and they made Al Pacino and Robert De Niro look younger. And then they made them look older. Like the, the technology, in terms of the image, is only going to get better and and crazier, <laughs> which is which is exciting. Um, but I mean, it just it's one more thing for up and coming people to learn and understand. Yeah, I mean, I know in the in the sports world, like the three sixty VR world is extremely popular with quarterback prep, and I'm sure even right now with everybody being on lockdown, like teams are having to find ways to do whole spring ball practices through that. Um, There was like this one article I read that was talking about how actors can now get their families paid royalties by selling studios, the rights to their, you know, their CGI uh, engineered bodies. So they'll still be in movies even when they're dead, which is kind of crazy to think. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. (laughs) <laughs> but that, i mean like think about it though like if you're an ego maniac actor like shoot why wouldn't you do that um yeah right what is it about filmmaking or what what can filmmaking teach you that no one or nothing else can um hmm. i would say that it that it's relentless in uh in and making you an honest person. How so? Um, that, it, it, that like, uh, at least for me, that whenever I thought I was making, a, like that I was taking a huge step, like that this was it, like my whole life was gonna change. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was uh, still 50 steps away from where I wanted to be. And it, just, it puts things in perspective. And I think it, it, it always teaches you that, uh, that you could be better, that you could grow, that there's more to learn, there's more to understand. and. Uh, and it's just in that way, I think it's, it's relentless in teaching you uh, hard work and, and like discipline. And I think unlike a, a lot of other professions, like if you're a writer, you know, a lot of writers are insecure about their works. So they don't publish, but even, you know, if somebody hates your book, like, you know, like you're not going to get that instant feedback, but if you're showing people a film, like that's a little bit more visceral in the moment. Did you like, did you find, or I guess like another question would be like, what, what was your most vulnerable moment as a filmmaker? Like the moment you felt like, shoot, like here are all my chips on the table. If they hate it, they're going to love it or hate it. And it's going to be like one of those big moments for me. I think um, I shot a commercial way back and I won't give the name of any of the people or anything. Cause it's, it's not really relevant, but um the the opportunity was it was one of the first opportunities that that i was given to you know make money and also have a budget to actually produce the project like get have the right art direction have the right lighting and i had everything i needed 
And I was, and in my head, I was like, there's no way that this can possibly go wrong. Like I, I, up until this point, everything I've done was either breaking even or like, I wasn't even making money, but here I am now I'm getting paid and I have a budget to have the right tools. And it just didn't come out anywhere near as good as I thought it was going to. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and it's just, uh, it, it, you know, for, for that to happen, it's kind of like, that's like a, a huge punch in the gut, you know, cause you're, uh, cause at that point, like everyone's like everyone on, on your team and your crew is like trusting you with like, not just the shooting and the editing, which I was doing, but also like the full creative. And like, I like that extra money that we used for, for the tools could have went back to everyone else. But I was like, no, if we do this, if we do that, like it's, it's a home run. And it was like a single, <laughs> uh, like with an error, like shortstop error too. Like it was just, uh, it was not, uh, it was not what it turned out to be. And like, everyone kind of knew it, but I mean, again, like huge learning experience, like for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, and I feel like those, you know, like obviously that moment happened to you yet here you are still breathing alive and well about to start another really cool job doing stuff for the Rangers with MSG and all that stuff. And I think like those, those moments where you really feel vulnerable, you kind of like realize that you're not feeling anything that anybody else hasn't already felt at some point, but you kind of sometimes can almost wrap up your self-worth in your work. um, So to speak. So like when I like would coach kids, I would have kids who would be not like head cases, but, if they had a bad day training, they were suddenly a bad person. But if they had a great day, then suddenly they were a good person. And then you had the kids who were like a little bit more detached. Like maybe they would have a bad day training, but they would have a bad training session, but they wouldn't have a bad day in your industry. Or maybe personally, do you see other filmmakers or maybe yourself battling with equating your self-worth to your work? Yeah, without a doubt. I would say personally for sure. And, uh, and it's something that, um, you know, I, that everyone should work on. But I think the reason is because, you know, when you're in high school and college, you're uh, like, sports is important, but it's, it's just like, if that stays in your life, like it, it can't be everything. And it isn't everything. Like you have school, you have, uh, you have other things that, that trump that. Um, but when you're when when you take something like film and and you make it your career and it's your passion and your hobby as well and you dive into that like with everything you have and then you start failing it's it you can easily get on yourself and bring yourself down and mm-hmm. and and that's just uh you know at the end of the day it does nothing for anyone including yourself and, and it takes, uh, like, I think that, you know, people will slip and, and they'll let that happen to them. And I think that's okay. I think it shows that you care, but you also, um, you got to be able to go home, separate yourself from that and, and just be a person mm-hmm. and, and be, be, uh, in my, one thing that my dad always taught me that, that always stuck with me is like being where you are and being present where you are is super important. So like, if you're, you know, if you're out, uh, to the movies with your friends, like be there. If you're at work, like that's work. Like that's the most important thing. But, but it's just uh, being able to to remove that when it's so important from you, when it's so important to you, and 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 just know that you know that was a bad day at work. It's not 
not me. It's not, uh, it's not me having a bad day. The bad day at work is, is, is something I still work on to this day. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like our, you know, just kind of talking about parents and stuff like, you know, for better or worse, our parents, everybody's parents largely give them their blueprint for how they view things like risk or success or failure. How do you think your parents influenced your view of taking risks? Because you don't get to be from, you know, a hobbyist playing around with the camera in a locker room, you know, making hype videos to now doing all these cool projects and stuff without taking some risks. So how do you feel like your parents helped you out with uh, giving you a useful blueprint for viewing risk? Um, I think that uh, that's a good question. I mean, my parents had no background in film photography or really in the arts in general. So, so for them, I think initially it was kind of tough to grasp, but um, at the end of the day, like they were supportive parents and I think that they genuinely believed in me and, uh, and um, that like having that was, was crucial for me to, to just move on, to learn and grow. Like, you know, some people might look at, a lot of the stuff that I've done in the past and, and think that it's not really a success, but being able to go through those experiences and learn what I did and meet the people I did work on the projects that I did was, was, uh, you know, those are all just stepping stones and, and I wouldn't have been able to do it without their, without their support. And, you know, initially I don't think that they were, were psyched that, you know, straight out of college, I was starving artists. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that that was like something that they thought was a sound investment. And it definitely wasn't if you look at the numbers, but you know, (laughs) it it was a long-term play that, that is, that is uh, still ongoing to this day, but it's definitely um, all those failures and all that time and all the successes that I had, um, like I said, were just stepping stones. So, I mean, having that support is crucial, whether it's from your parents or your friends or um, whoever it is. Um, you need, you need those people in your corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like a lot of parents too, like when they're looking at college and they always want to give you space, but they also understand like you don't know everything yet. <laughs> so yeah. um, here's a question. Do you need to go to college to get into film? Um, do you, do you need to, like, is it, is it a necessity necessity? No. Like, like, do you, yeah. Do you think college, college has value if, if like, let's say somebody's listening and they're on the fence about, do I want to jump into like photography on my own or like, should I go study it? Um, you know, I think that, um, I think it, it, it does depend on the person. I mean, I, I personally think college is just wildly too expensive, um, yep. for, for what you get out of it. But then again, like your college experience is directly correlated to how, uh, how much you want to get out of that experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if I would be where I'm at if I didn't have the chance to use the college's equipment to, to uh, shoot college sports, um, uh, you know, to have access to some of the things I had access to, and then also just learn, like get a good education. Um, Like, I don't know where I would be, but I know that that was like, that worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for some people, you know, it, it might be better to just, you know, take a quarter of, take one year's worth of money, get some equipment and learn on your own 
I mean, I think that there's tons of ways to do it, but, but at the end of the day, no director that wants to hire you to shoot his commercial or movie, um, or, or, uh, no, uh, casting director. She's not going to look at the, 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 your college resume and be like, Oh, you're not going to work on this movie. They're just going to be like, are you good? Can you pull it off? Do you have the, the background and the credentials? You know what I mean? So right. it, it's not a necessity, but I mean, I think it depends on the person because college gives you much more than just a, an overall education, you know, sure. meeting, if you make 300 awesome friends in college, which is a lot, but uh, that those connections are all going to go off and hopefully do amazing things in the world and, and how they, and, and how that can come back around to you in some way you might never know. So, sure. I mean, it's just one of those things. It depends. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of kids struggle with that too, especially when you look at like the increasing cost of college and, you know, a college degree is basically the equivalent of what a high school degree was 30, 40 years ago. Um, yeah, but no, it's a really good point. You get in what you put out of it. Um, last question. What is the one thing you want people to take away from your work? Hmm. Like what, like how would they be able to say, damn, that's, that's a Willie Baker thing. That's a Willie Baker documentary. What's your signature? I think, I think, uh, I think I want people to like take, take a step back and, and like, you know, I, I hope that all the projects that I work on, the story is amazing, but at the end of the day, my role is a cinematographer and I, I want people to like take a step back and be like, damn, who shot that? Or like, how did they, how did they do that? Like, how did the camera go through all the branches of the tree and land on the ground? Like, you know, I want them to be like completely in awe for, for uh, how that, how the story was told from a visual standpoint. Awesome, man. Uh, let's see. So I'll just stop recording there. Dude, that was fun, man. Thanks for listening to the Coach K Hill podcast. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to share it on any social media platform or leave a review on Apple iTunes. It really helps a lot with spreading the word. And thanks for your time.